Welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and with me tonight, recording in the Man Cave, are my trusty co-hosts, Tim Hicks. There's a snake in my boots. And Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. It's great to have the core gang back together again. It seems like it's been forever since it's just been the three of us sitting down and recording a show. So it feels good to be getting back to the grind here. In a minute, we're going to start talking about probably the hottest bit of news uh, from Disney Parks these days. And that is the news of the new uh, Disney Genie system. Um, We'll get into the details of that and uh, talk about you know, what it really is and and how you can take best advantage of it. But uh, before we get into that, I do want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsors. Uh, Diz Dads Podcast Plus is sponsored by Wicked Mouse Travel in Boston and by Mouse Master Travel in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, both agencies are authorized Disney vacation planners, and they would love to help you plan your next Disney destination vacation. Hey, when it comes to this Disney Genie stuff, Their agents are well-trained from the beginning. They know how this stuff works, and they'll be able to help you make sure that you get the best use out of that tool that you can. Um, Check either one of them out at their respective websites, uh, Wicked Mouse Travel at wickedmousetravel.com and Mouse Master Travel at mousemastertravel.com. All right, guys. um, So Disney announces that FastPass is not coming back, period, and the internet goes wild. Um, people threatening to burn their annual passes and saying they'll never come back and all of those good things that happen every time there's a price increase uh, at, at Disney parks. Um, and, you know, I, I guess by way of introduction, what I will say is, you know, my attitude towards all of this is, you know, we, we may talk briefly here about whether we like this system or not, but ultimately it kind of doesn't matter whether we like it. Um, you know, it's not like Disney's going to change their policy because the internet is unhappy. Um, this policy in this system is one that they invested a lot of time and money in and it's not going anywhere. And so I, I just feel like the time that might be spent nitpicking this or that aspect of it would be better spent talking a little bit more about how to use it and and what it really will be and and how it'll impact a guest vacation rather than complaining about it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think it's a matter of why you want to get to know it and why it's going to be useful to you and uh, you know to which audience, for example, uh, this is something we talked about before, Aaron, which audience is going to be best served by which service? So, or which aspect of the service, put it like that. It's just change and people are averse to change and change happens and change is inevitable and people don't like it until they get it figured out. Once they get figured it out, they figure out how it can work for them and 
off we go then, right? Right. That's a, that's a key thing that a lot of people forget about. No one liked FastPass when it first came out. No one liked Magic Bands when they first came out. No one liked mobile ordering when it first came out. It's a matter of just getting used to it. Yes, there are things that are going to cost more, but we all knew things were going to cost more. I mean, it's a it's inevitable. Like, well, and, I don't want to say about it's that inevitable, but it's true. Uh, in just a little bit, because I, I did some number crunching and and you know I found some interesting things when you look at at what the increase in cost really looks like. Um, I think what we need to do though first is there's been a lot of, of hemming and hawing and complaining about this. And I feel like a lot of people are complaining without really taking the time to look at what exactly this new system is and what all this new service is. So I really feel like we need to give people a, a clear description of what Disney genie is, because once again, I think Disney gets itself in trouble sometimes when it tries to be a little too cute with naming conventions and, you know, giving things titles. And, and sometimes they choose things that, that sound nice instead of are really clear or helpful. <laughs> so the first thing to realize is that the Disney Genie service is a whole range of things, right? It's not one thing. It's not, Disney Genie is not FastPass, right? They're not interchangeable. So Disney Genie is, and it's not even an app, right? Because- I was going to say, is it is it available on, on, on Google Play or are the iOS app well, store? Sort of, because it's, it's just folded in, right? You've got my Disney experience on the Walt Disney World side and- Disney Genie service is part of that. And then on the West Coast, the Disneyland app will similarly have Disney Genie service incorporated into the Disneyland app. There's no separate app. It's just part of, of the same interface that you're used to. So it's built into the app. It's right. like, you know, you get it when you download the app. And that's what people don't get. And and at no additional cost, you get all of the basic features of Disney Genie service. And those those basic features include, um, you know, there's there's the the sexy part that they're trying to get people excited about, right? Which is this whole concept of a, a virtual assistant. Um, now, let's be honest about what a virtual assistant really is, right? A virtual assistant is essentially a well trained chatbot that takes you through a step-by-step -step interview of what attractions you like, what things you don't like, when you like to do things, pulls that all together, and then uses that to build a plan for you. Kind of like what a travel agent does. Difference, of course, is that a travel agent sort of understands when to ask follow-up questions because of a tone in your voice or because they know something about your family that you haven't mentioned or you know, something like that. But but that's essentially the, the function of a virtual assistant. It's, it's going to collect information and use that information to uh, generate a, a uh, something like a touring plan for you, right? Right. And uh... – I was going to say, uh, the travel agents, you know, we'll, we will help you plan your day as much as you want us to help you plan your day. And really, this is going to work the same way. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to use it. There's no one requires you to use it. Um, but you'll find that uh, the functionality is going to be extremely useful. 
Uh, and that's what we want to make sure we get across. The virtual assistant is, is going to be used primarily in terms of collecting information from you and then organizing that. Making use of that information um, is going to start with what they call the personalized day optimizer. So that's the, the kind of plan that it creates for you based on what you fed the virtual assistant. And a couple of things about the, the day optimizer, you know, it, its real focus is what's next, right? Um, and it's really the, the same core function of most uh, you know, touring plans that an agent even would provide for you. But the, the whole idea is none of us want you to waste time, you know, standing in the middle of the street looking at a map, right? We, we want you to be able to, to move from activity to activity and not have that, that you know, dead time while you argue about whether you want to ride this attraction or that attraction next, because you know you're going to end up riding both of them anyway. So tell us how GD can assist with that. Part of it is that, you know, it will have taken in that information you fed it about the kinds of things you like. And so, you know, you get off of one attraction and it's going to look at uh, what, Attractions are still on the list that you've told it you like, and it'll say, hey, this attraction has, you know, a, a relatively low wait time. Why don't you go ride that one? Right? It's going to recommend the thing to do next. Um, and, and that is going to kind of lead into the next piece, too, of the service, which is what they call their real-time tip board. Um, and that's this whole idea that even though it's created a, a daily plan for you, it's going to make suggestions as you go that are kind of based on what's happening in the park. So, you know, if, if you went through the virtual assistant, you gave it attractions you wanted to ride, you set up a plan, but the plan has, um, I don't know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, you know, in the, in the late afternoon, and the system notices that you're kind of ahead of pace when you get off of the flying carpets of Aladdin, it may say, hey, Instead of going here, why don't you go ride Pirates of the Caribbean? And that's great for most people. <laughs> okay. Elaborate there, Willie. Mainly because there's a lot of people that want to go ride Big Thunder and then Splash and then go do Pirates and then do um, Jungle Cruise and then do Aladdin's Carpet. Or there's the people that do Splash, Big Thunder, space which is terrible idea but <laughs> that's how they do their their day because then they go do something else they want to do like the three or four mountains and then do the rest of their day and genie's not going to do that for them right G genie and and i think that's one of the pieces that that you know we want people to understand using a genie plan is going to be better than just you know walking blindly around the park no question about that but I think it's important to remember that, you know, and I, I say this sometimes when I'm talking to people about, you know, the difference between calling Disney directly to book your vacation or, or talking to a travel agent, but Disney Genie works for Disney, right? Its job is to assist a, a visitor with planning up to and including the extent to which it helps Disney make the parks work the way Disney wants the parks to work. <laughs> so um, I, I guess, you know, I'm a little skeptical. Um, we'll see how it actually implements. 
But we know, I mean, for example, Disney Genie says they're going to be providing forecasted wait times, right? You could be, you could look and say, you know, what, what will the wait time be like if I want to ride, um, you know, Runaway Railway at 3.15? And you could look ahead. Well, here's the problem. I don't know if I trust Disney's forecast wait times because I know that right now I don't trust Disney's posted wait times because I know they lie. <laughs> You well, know. the other thing is, you could say at nine thirty that it's going to be great at three fifteen, but the ride breaks down at two. Yeah, then you get over there at three fifteen, yeah. and Jeannie's like, "Go ride," because Jeannie might not have updated, or your app didn't update, and there you are standing in line for a four and a half hour—not four and a half, because Bob Chapek would never allow that. But <laughs> um, you know, you're in line for two hours when you could have ridden at ten thirty this morning when it was a thirty minute wait. And And I know those are just circumstances, but. Sure. Well, and I'll I'll throw this in. Um, When I go into Epcot and they've got those displays that say, hey, this is the wait for soaring. This is the wait for test track. Um, I kind of plan what I want to do next based on that. And that I find that very helpful. So if you're like me and you find that really helpful, then genie will do the same thing for you if they're if you're able to do something in magic kingdom and and have the posted wait times you know even even if they're not 100 correct at least they give you the idea and then you know you you blindly follow it and do what disney wants you to do right <laughs> well and, and it can work i mean look like i said it's not all bad but you know i just know that that i have personal experience that tells me that you know, when Disney decides the line at Toy Story Mania is getting too long, they inflate the expected wait time because they want to encourage people not to get in the line. Um, there is some evidence that there are some other attractions where when the wait gets, uh, you know, when the attraction is maybe waning, right, it's maybe getting less um you know, public awareness, people aren't, aren't as excited about it. Um, I think sometimes they inflate the wait time a little bit because they think that an attraction that always has a 10 minute wait is, looks like it's nobody likes it anymore. So they'd rather post a 15 minute or 20 minute wait, because then at least it looks like people are writing consistently. And, and that really, uh, from my experience delights people when they go, Oh, well, they said it was going to be 20, but we walked right onto it. So yeah, yep. good, good. Well, and the the wait time might get up to 20 minutes, right? Because they're posting the shorter wait time to encourage people to go get in that line instead of getting into the line that they've inflated the wait time for. Well, but if you think about it, inflating the wait time in a post-COVID world is, is really kind of a smart thing to do. I mean, <laughs> stop all the people from, you know, just really crowding up and, and creating an issue. Well, I talk to customers about that all the time. If you saw Space Mountain at 35 minutes, you would go get in line. But if you saw it at 55 minutes, you say, let's go do Buzz Lightyear and see if Space Mountain drops. And if it doesn't, we'll do the people mover and the cars, and then maybe it drops. But if you saw Space Mountain at 180 minutes, you're going to the other side of the park. Right. And and I guarantee you that Disney knows that, too. And sometimes it's a good strategy to actually do that. And sometimes 
Disney decides that there are too many people in Tomorrowland, and so they jack up the wait time and the Tomorrowland uh, attractions to move people to Frontierland and Adventureland. I mean, it, it's just it's it's this has been part of the strategy since the My Magic Plus rollout, since we got all the Magic Band stuff. That was a big part of the original motivation: is that that by tracking, at least they thought at the time that if they could track the reservations for attractions that they could use that data right to manipulate where people went um and it worked to some extent but you know this is going to take it to the next level because instead of doing the advanced reservations you'll be more in the flow of things now to disney's credit they're they're i think fairly presenting this as a response to feedback from guests who said you know, a Walt Disney World vacation plan was getting to be so much advanced planning that it was hard to really relax about your vacation. And I get that. For some folks, it really was overwhelming to be making dining reservations 180 days in advance and attraction reservations, you know, 60 days in advance and choosing your parks well out like that so you could make those reservations. And you consider people that, uh, you know, this might be their first time. They don't know what they don't know. So, you know, that's, that makes it even harder for them to, to do all this advanced planning. Uh, at least, you know, if they're, if they're doing it without the help of the travel travel agent. So um, it, it makes sense. Well, it's very true. I mean, many people say to me, I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight. How am I going to know what I want to eat? 180 days, heck, even 60 or 30 days. You know, it's like, and we have to like talk them off the ledge and teach them <laughs> that this is going to be the best thing for you. This is what we need to do for you. This is how it's going to work. And we want to have a plan. So when you wake up in the morning, you're not going, oh no, what are we doing today? And next thing you know, you're starving and you haven't mm-hmm. ridden any rides. Right. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, here's where I get people is like, you can either, you know, pick out a few things that you think you would like to have for dinner, or you're going to get stuck with what's left that you may not want. Because it, obviously if there's availability, kind of like we were saying, it's not very good and people don't want to go there anyway. Right. And, and I think that, um, you know, so, so what Disney is saying here is by moving to this system, they're, they're eliminating some of that early planning pressure. Right. Because much more of the choices can be made sort of in the moment on the fly with the assistance of these new tools. Um, So, you know, you've got their plan, you've got forecasted wait times, um, all the dining things that you've been able to do in my Disney experience. They're now incorporated into Disney Genie. Right. So that's your mobile ordering. um, And they've now integrated the, um, the table service restaurant elements as well. So you can not only can you, you know, make reservations, but you can check in for your reservation and you can get into the standby, you know, the, the day of um, standby reservation queue, just using the app. You don't have to actually go up to the podium to do that. You can also shop, which is huge. Right. That's true. They like that. <laughs> which I, I i'm a big fan like 
You know, the last thing you want to do is stand in line at 1130 at night with 13 toys and four, you know, shirts you don't need, but you're going to buy. And they, you look at the line and it's 70 minutes long. Right. And you're like, here we go again. You know, we just missed the bus for the fourth time. Or you're stuck in a store on main street in a driving rainstorm. And you discover that the pin that you want is only available at the store in Tomorrowland. So, I don't know anything about this. This must be some <laughs> great story you've told before. Sounds like the voice of experience, right? <laughs> and when he means driving rainstorm, he means torrential downpour. Like there's, you were getting wet inside the emporium. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Willie actually surfed back from Tomorrowland <laughs> to uh, the front of, of Magic Kingdom. Oh. Yes. Were they renting jet skis? <laughs> <laughs> was um, amazing. And then, and then, you know, Disney has acknowledged that they're going to continue building on um, the use of virtual queues. Um, you know, as much as we complain about it, it's really worked fairly well at Rise of the Resistance. And given what they're talking about for how it'll be integrated with, with the whole Genie package – um, probably will work even better. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be using these virtual queues and everybody will have access in the app to joining virtual queues for attractions that use them. So, um, you know, I think a lot of the concerns on that front were, were a little overblown. Um, so how much does that cost, Aaron? Nothing, not a dime. And the best part is every attraction will have some standby will have standby availability it will either be a regular standby queue or one of these you know virtual queues but in either case there is a non-paid way to access the attraction so um you know yes there are more pay to play options but they haven't actually taken away anybody's free options Exactly. You are always welcome to stand in the standby line. And with uh, the way things are changing, and I'm sure we'll get to this in just a minute, the standby line should go more quickly than they have gone in the past. I mean, that's kind of a lesson they learned with um, having to eliminate FastPass during COVID, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that that we talked about it as we've talked about with people, um, you know, in trip reports lately, um, you know, lines look longer but they move pretty fast and they move fast because you don't have anybody in the fast pass line. Now we're going to get in a minute to start talking about the, the paid options that get you access to what Disney is now calling the lightning lane. Um, so there will be a line there, but because it is an extra charge and because there are plenty of people who are saying, you know, I've already paid X amount for a park ticket. I'm not going to want to buy, you know, access you know, I'm extra not paying access. a dime more. Yeah, I'm not paying more. Um, you know, what that means is there will be relatively fewer people in that priority line. So, you know, the, the ratio of people who go from the lightning lane to the people who go from the standby lane, um, you know, it, it will be closer to, uh, uh, it'll be faster, right? Right now, or not now, before, right? When we had FastPass Plus and maybe even, you know, 25 to 30% of the people riding the attraction 
in some cases more, were getting in the fast pass line, you know, they'd have to let 20 people on the attraction from the fast pass lane before they let one on from the standby line, just because they had to keep up with the, you know, size of the crowd in the fast pass line. That's not going to be true in the lightning lane. Um, well, that's, that could be, and could not be true. You know, people say they're not going to pay for things, but we have said, we're not going to buy video games. Nintendo came out and the games were 20 bucks. PlayStation came out. There were 30 bucks. Super Nintendo came out. There were 39 99. We have video games that are 99 and $150 and people are buying them. Like they're nothing. So people say they won't do it, but when they see the, oh, we didn't have to wait, they're going to do it. But wait, you just said the key. When they see, we're not going to have to wait. So part of the deal is that Disney has said all along that there will be a limited number of these sold. It'll be more like Universal's Express Pass where they, they you know, sell a set number of them and that's it. Um, and and they have to, right? It it. It won't help Disney long term if they sell as many Lightning Lane uh, accesses as they possibly can, because if they do that, it will no longer have the benefit and people won't pay for it. <laughs> so right. it's it's in their interest to keep it a premium product. Of course, but it's the customer that went the first time and said, I'm not going to do it because it costs too much. But then they see the benefit right. and now they drop the 400, the 500 bucks because- they found the benefit is there. And those are the people that said they weren't going to do it and now are doing it. Okay. Well, I agree. There will certainly be those. Um, but but I still think we're going to see standby lines that move at least a third faster, if not more, than we're used to them working in the Fast Pass Plus era. Um, just because we'll have fewer people using those lines. Um, and, you know, it may take some time. There may be some adjusting back and forth, but, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I think that this is one of those era areas where, uh, you know, Bob Chapek with a, a, a retail products background kind of gets it right. He understands that he can, he can get better value for everybody if, he sells fewer of these items at a higher price than if he sells more of them and they lose their, their usefulness. It's the prime example, the, the boo to you party and the merry, very merry party. There you go. Like the prices went up. I'm still selling them as fast as hotcakes. Well, and the people who have done the party with the exception <laughs> of a couple who got rained out, um, you know, People have been raving, even though there's less entertainment, even though Correct. a lot of the things we loved are gone. The crowds They're, have been so low that it's been wonderful. I mean, people are talking about riding rides and not getting off. You got on Splash Mountain and you stayed on the ride. Like, think about that. Like, obviously, yep. I wouldn't do it because my legs don't fit in the ride. But, you know, but I would do it for Big Thunder. I do it for Space Mountain. Yep. You want to ride I again? Go. Ride roller coaster. <laughs> The only time I remember doing that at Disney was my crazy daughter doing that on oh on Primeval Hurl. I would do that again. I actually rode it with her the first time, and she she continued riding. I got off. <laughs> Let her go on. <laughs> Keep going. Um. All right. So so those are the we we've talked about the core free 
free features of Genie, and we've kind of started to get into the paid pieces. So um, the first paid option is what they're calling Disney Genie Plus. I don't know what Disney's obsession with arithmetic is, but they have this thing. I mean, I guess it's it's part of their legacy, right, is that you plus up an attraction. So they're plussing up the Disney Genie service for a fee. Um, and the this is an element where you pay for some additional services. The key service, the one that people are reacting most strongly to, is that you get what they're calling next available time to arrive access to the lightning lane. All right. So what does that mean? That means it's a system that looks an awfully lot like the MaxPass system that was being used at Disneyland most recently. Right. Um, you know, you decide you want to ride an attraction, you open up your app and it will show you attractions and when the next available lightning lane return time is for those attractions and you can grab what's available. Um, anything you guys want to add? I think it's a great thing. And a lot of people are really going to enjoy that because they can go about their day and then look down and say, Oh, look, seven dwarfs mind train three o'clock. Let's go ride. And they don't care. Well, except they won't be able to do that for seven dwarfs mind train. But I was just, right. 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 (laughs) Right. But but you know (laughs) what I mean? But like, I was just, you know, where you just look down and you look on the app and you're like, Oh, cool. Look, we got this. We can go do it. And we don't have to, you know, run to this at 7 a.m. in the morning. You know, we can just work our way through the park, hang out, or like what we do. You know, we go from bar to bar, and then look, Soren's open. We'll, well go do okay, it. Okay, so for everybody that's listening that uh, is sitting there going, man, I just missed the days of the paper fast pass. Guess what? This is a whole lot like that because um, it's giving you, if you got it, the paper fast pass, it's going to tell you the next time that you can come back, which may or may not be, you know, within an hour or even two hours, or they may run out of them. And it's very much the same. You just don't have to go out to where that ride is, stick in your card and get the paper fast pass. It's right there on the app. Yeah, right. It's, 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 it's the old school fast pass without having to do yeah. the, without having to be a fast pass runner. I mean, I don't know how many extra miles I put in, in the parks dashing across to, <laughs> to grab, you know, fast passes for the, the land we were going to be in. Aaron, two hours I would pay from big money to see that. that. That was so <laughs> painful. <laughs> my favorite was when you would get there and then you realize you didn't have one of the cards yep. like you look down and one of the kids is still holding the card and you're like i gotta run from splash all nope. the way back to peter pan and it's not that far but it, it's far when you're running I, I solved that one easy i just told the kids up front after it happened the first time like okay if this happens again if I don't have your ticket, you ain't riding. <laughs> Rider swap. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Um, and, you know, they, they did toss in a couple other sort of value adds to the, the Genie Plus service. Um, so at, at Walt Disney World, um, you also will get, there will be these, these recorded, what they're calling audio experiences, um, which... Initially, I thought were a total waste, and then I looked a little more closely at what they are, and some of these are going to be really cool. Um, like, it sounds like some of these will be things like, you know, a, an audio tour of a part of the park with an Imagineer in your ear, basically, talking you through right, that's how you I know, the design that. of that part that's of the park. That, that seems like 
pretty doggone cool. Well, of course, because that's what Disney Plus is right now. But when you're in the park, you could be walking it and seeing it. Exactly. It's it's the. I mean, it it strikes me as you know they they've just been running on Disney Plus on the the uh, streaming service. You know, they've been running the, these Beyond the Attractions um, episodes. And I guarantee you that they're going to be able to pull audio directly from Beyond the Attractions, or at least things that were recorded at the same time yeah, that they were recording interviews for Beyond the Attractions, and you know, plugging it in and and you know, having it play for you as you walk through that part of the park. Just watched the Haunted Mansion one last night, and how they decided to build the building as it was because it's in Liberty Square. And it fell right in, but you don't realize that when you're just looking at the haunted mansion. Like, right. why in the world did they build this haunted house that looks <laughs> brick? But now it makes sense. Yeah. And for them to tell you about it while you're in the park would even be cooler. Right. Because not everyone's going to watch those shows. We watch them because we're in Walt Disney World, you'll also get what they're calling augmented reality lenses. So um in in some ways. I think this is a particularly valuable little option while we are still dealing with having to have uh, distanced character meet and greets, right? Because the augmented reality lenses basically, they're like the magic shots that they did. Um, they haven't done as many of these lately, but for a while, they, you know, a while back, they did a lot of them where, you know, in the magic shot, there would be the kid. Like we have one that I like a lot of, of, you know, four-year-old John um, with his sword facing off with with Captain Hook, right? And, you know, it's those kinds of things where you can take that shot yourself, right? Because when you are in the right part of the park for that particular augmented reality experience, it's the right backdrop. And so you can take that picture that, you know, has uh, Mickey peeking over your kid's shoulder or, you know— um, yeah, you know, stitch coming up at their feet or whatever it is. Um, and, and right there in the moment, you, you know, capture that shot right there. Best photographer for this, you just it's right there. Um, and you know, at Disneyland, they get, I think, an even better bonus. Now, partially that's because they're paying more for it at Disneyland, but um, at Disneyland, they'll actually get their photo pass um, download. So if they've purchased G- Disney Genie Plus for the day, they get. Uh, photo pass downloads for that day as well. Um, well, Disney World, it's still going to be a separate product. They'll still continue to sell uh, Memory Maker. But um, the, the key here, right, the big selling point for, for Genie Plus is that it gets you access to Lightning Lanes. Even if it's one attraction at a time, you don't plan them in advance, it gets you access to that Lightning Lane. Um, and it's one of what amount to two or three ways, right? That you get access to, to lightning lanes. Um, Genie plus is one way. The other way, and the one that I think has gotten much of the attention and much of the outcry um, is the part that Disney desperately needs to come up with a better name for right now. They're calling them individual attraction selections. Those are awful. (laughs) (laughs) And if the price is right, the price ain't right. Okay, but here's the thing. I'm not sure they're awful. My initial reaction was that they were. But the more I think about it, the less I dislike them. And here's why. 
So to, to explain, um, an individual attraction selection is a pay-per-attraction access to the Lightning Lane. It's going to be available for a small subset of attractions. I know a lot of the buzz out there has been that it'll be for two attractions per park. I think it may start out that way, but I would not be at all surprised if it expanded a little bit um, just to kind of spread out the use of them a little bit. Um, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw three or four attractions go to individual attraction selections, at least if there are attractions that are worth waiting for. Um, Why wouldn't they do, I mean, unlimited, honestly, because people will spend. Because the beauty of individual attraction selections is that it's completely separate from Genie Plus. You can either have Lightning Lane access to an attraction via Genie Plus or individual attraction selection, but not both. Which, yeah, right. So it's... Right, so if they you can't have your cake and IAS eat it too. Pool, right. it, they means pulling it out of the Disney Genie Plus pool, and they got to leave enough, you know, popular attractions in the Genie Plus pool to make it worth buying Genie Plus. Um, so it, it'll be available for a small set of, of attractions. It's variable pricing based both on the date that you're buying it for and which attraction it is. Um, and they have all, they have said that it's limited to two attractions per guest per day, but they don't have to be in the same park, which I think is a really interesting, you know, way to go about it. Of course, um, because then they get you to buy park hopper. Well, on the one hand, it helps encourage people to buy park hopper, but I think that what it also does is I hate to use this language because it, it's their language, but they're kind of right. Um, what it comes down to is that it gives guests a lot of different choices for the way they can approach their trip. Um, and, you know, I've had folks travel, especially recently, where, you know, they, they're going to, to Walt Disney World. They've, they've got a relatively limited amount of time, so they can only do, you know, maybe they can only do three park days. Um, and with with no assurance that they're going to be able to ride, you know, the attraction that is the most important ride, right? So everything is high pressure. Everything is, is nerve wracking because, you know, they have to, they have to do this and this or the trip is ruined and there's no, there's no room to play, right? There's no extra day here as a fallback for those guests. These individual attraction selections are amazing. Um, you know, I keep thinking back to, and it really wouldn't have helped in this particular circumstance, but the concept works, right? I, I still keep thinking back to that time we, we were going to Disney's Hollywood Studios. My daughter was 12. It was the last year she would be able to do Jedi Training Academy because that cuts off at 12. And somehow she left her magic band at the hotel. And we go to get into the park. We couldn't, you know, obviously she couldn't get in the park. If she can't get in the park, she can't register. Um, it, it was a whole headache. And, you know, we ended up rescuing it. Um, you know, by, by the time we got her in, it was too late to get her signed up, but we were able to get her whole big deal. We had park hopper. We were able to hop back and, and do it another day. What matters though is this is the kind of thing that provides you that kind of insurance for attractions like Rise of the Resistance, for attractions like, um, you know, the, the new Remy attraction in, in France that for some people is, is going to be a must do. Um, frankly, for kids with people with younger kids that 
you know, frozen ever after. I mean, we, we may make fun of it, but you know, to a, a six year old who's deal. obsessed with frozen, it's make or well, break. Slinky dog. It's a huge ride. Right. Like, exactly. I mean, the kids see that and they're like, that's a roller coaster that doesn't go upside down. It's not in the dark. It's toy story. You know, you, you really, there's no real scare factor to the ride. That's a big deal to a lot of kids. And yep. for 60 to 80, 90 bucks, it might be worth it for the folks. So here's here's why I think it's it's got good value, right? And why it's not just, you know, why it's worth it to think about it in a broader context. Yeah, it, it's going to be, you know, if, if you've got four people in your family, you might spend 80 bucks to get, you know, everybody on the attraction. But you have choices. Mom doesn't like to ride roller coasters particularly. She can skip it. And if she skips it, you don't have to pay for it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's totally flexible within your control to decide how, how much that experience is worth it to you. And that's a huge thing because I just had a customer there yesterday and here's her exact quote. Oh my God, we're walking from Epcot to Hollywood studios at three o'clock. My son logs in and gets a, Rise of the Resistance for this evening. Made our night. Changed our whole evening. We turned around, went and rode Rise, and then got into Oga's. Our vacation was made. There you go. If they had paid 80 bucks, they probably would have paid 80 bucks just to, or 90 bucks to get on Rise. Because that's all they were looking for the whole trip. Right. And they, they got the thing that made the trip for them and it turned it around. And, and so... You know, this is that opportunity. Now, what it comes down to is that people now have options. There are, and, and interaction between a, a travel agent and a traveler is going to change again because, you know, now instead of talking about, you know, planning sort of, you know, tent posts for your day, which is what we used to do with FastPass Plus, now we're talking about, okay, we got to weigh all our options and talk about what's important to you and figure out. What things are we going to, you know, count on being able to get on via a standby queue, whether it's a regular traditional standby or a virtual queue? You know, are there enough attractions that are on the Disney Genie Plus lists that, you know, you're going to want Lightning Lane for that? Um, and the third op thing is, you know, which attractions are going to be worth the individual attraction selection investment? And can you, you know, is this something you can wait and maybe you try to get on it your first day. And if you can't get on it, your first day standby, then you can try the individual attraction selection as your fallback. Which is in my mind, it's not horrible. If I'm not, if I'm not paying for G plus and that's all I want to do, I want to make absolutely sure I get on this particular ride. Right. I don't have to have a park hopper. I don't have to have Genie plus I can take this. You know, individual attraction selection and do the thing yeah. that makes my heart right. happy. That makes my vacation complete, except for get, except for getting a margarita at La Caba. <laughs> right. well, that's the thing. You know, there's people that go to animal kingdom. All I want to do is flights of passage and blank. I mean, I'm just, they're not there for anything else. They might do the safari because they're there. They might go see the Lion King show, but they've been told, go do Flights of Passage. End of story. Right. And you're done. 
So you can get in and out of there in an hour and a half, do a couple things, and their day is made for a hundred bucks. And you know, so we, we should talk about um, sort of the the universe of pricing here because I think that that this may help with some of the context. So Genie Plus at Walt Disney World is fifteen dollars per ticket per day, and at Disneyland it's twenty dollars per person per day per ticket per day. Um, and you know, the difference being at, at uh, Disneyland, you get your your uh, photo pass photos. For that same price, basically, it's it's the same price structure that Max Pass had before it went away. Um, it's new at Walt Disney World. You know, for your family of four, you're basically talking about adding you know sixty dollars a day to your cost to do Disney Genie Plus. Um, individual attraction selections are a bit of a crapshoot. You know what they've told us is that prices will be between four dollars and twenty four dollars. Per attraction, um, and we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, frankly, if twenty four dollars is is peak pricing, um, you know, the, I actually could see the the averages being closer to twelve to fifteen, um, just because they like to have room to you know have peak pricing be real peak pricing, right? But the perfect example would be if you're a true Star Wars fan. You want to go to Hollywood Studios. All you care about is Rise and Smuggler's Run. You don't care about anything else. You pay for those two rides, and the rest of your day is just gravy. So it is lunchtime at fifties, right? Well, or or you don't pay for Smuggler's Run because you can ride Smuggler. You're, you're staying on property. You get in half an hour early. You ride Smuggler's Run first because it's on the list of attractions that's going to be open, and you buy your individual attraction. For one attraction. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think it's worth it to talk about this in the context of these other policy updates, right? Because, for example, a lot of people were really unhappy with hearing that Disney was doing away with extra magic hours. And, you know, then Disney came out and said, well, we're, we're going to start allowing people to have a half hour early admission. And people said, oh, that's ridiculous. You can't replace an, an hour early with a half hour early. That's, that's you know, not going to be worth nearly as much. And I really feel like people misunderstand that completely. I totally agree with you. There is so much you can do in half an hour. Oh, yeah. And, and, and when the lines are well managed in this way, then, yes, there's a whole lot you can get done in half an hour. If you're deep into the Magic Kingdom, you could crush Fantasyland in a half an hour. Well, and that's just it, right? Not only is it what you can do in that half hour, it's the head start it gives you on everybody else who arrives behind you, right? You're ahead of the crowd wave. And having it in all parks every day, it it just changes the crowd dynamic so much because it used to be with an hour early admission at one park, Right. You were constantly playing this game of, you know, do I do I really want that hour early admission and it's worth it to me to get there super early so I can be at the very front of the early admission line? Because if I don't, if I oversleep and I miss early admission, then I'm going to be behind that early admission wave all day. And that's going to be a magnet drawing people to the park because they got the early admission. Well, the, I mean, it's a prime example of Epcot. 
you you used to get there an hour early and you said test track if frozen was open or soaring but you couldn't do all three which yeah. one did you choose and you you mean right. literally went right left or just ran straight yep exactly and and you know it was a magnet that drew more people to the the extra magic hour park whereas now if you distribute those people through four parks right you have you know only 25% of your early admission crowd or obviously look, some some parks are always going to be more popular early in the morning than others but um frankly you know animal kingdom and hollywood studios have been very popular early morning early admission parks because they've got attractions that are you know big magnets for that kind of thing right flight of passage and and uh uh slinky dog frankly right and now mickey and minnie right right and mickey and minnie but uh, you know so that will be changing so, in the near future too right because tron is going to come online and uh right the uh Cosmic Cosmic thank you that's what i was trying to come up with will be online as well so you're right back to really distributing right. the crowds to the all four parks so so once you divided those people out and distributed people around that half hour becomes so much more valuable because you know, you're less likely, frankly, it's easier to make it a half hour early than it is to make it an hour early. And, you know, you're, you're, if you're close, you're okay, right? It's one thing to be behind 25% as large a crowd or whatever, you know, 25% of the crowd you would have been behind and only be half hour behind them as opposed to being a full hour behind three times the crowd, Exactly. I mean, it's right. I mean, your math is so perfect because like you said, you've divided four parks up and really you've divided two, maybe three parks up because Epcot, you know, you get there at 1030 because they open at 11. It's not going to have the demand that, like you said, Animal Kingdom is going to have or Hollywood Studios is going to have Magic Kingdom a little bit until Cosmic. Well, Well, of course. Right. Right. And and remember that we've got Remy opening you know, in yep. a month and like six days. Yep. No, three yep. days. So um now we don't know officially what the uh individual attraction selection options are gonna be. It's a lot of speculation about those right now. Um it looks at this point, I mean, if I was taking my guess, right, the the what I'm seeing referenced most often is that Magic Kingdom will likely be Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is the only one that at, at Walt Disney World that JPEG has mentioned explicitly. <laughs> so Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is almost certain to be. Um, and then the other one I'm hearing is Space Mountain, um, which is a little interesting to me. Yeah. But I think it's just because um, it's a nostalgic ride. Well, and I, I think it's also because there's a little bit, there's, there's less other stuff to absorb crowds in Tomorrowland right now. Well, and the other thing is if you do Space Mountain, it's going to pull away from Tron once Tron opens. Right. And and then Tron becomes um, one of them. <laughs> well, oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the other issue is that, that even if these are the candidates now, it's going to change over time. Um, you know, they're going to adapt to what the crowd pattern does. And that's, that's what the flexibility of the system is all about. I mean, just because something is a, a genie plus attraction today 
That doesn't mean it won't be an individual attraction selection tomorrow and something else will be a Genie Plus right. selection. Well, it's, it's, and I don't want to reference it, but it's like the stock market. If it's a hot item, they're going to put it in. And when it's not a hot item, they're going to pull it out. You know, it's, right. and that's a brilliant well, move on their part. Let me give you an example. I would bet you that not this Halloween season, because it'll be too soon. People won't be adjusted to it yet. But next Halloween, I bet Haunted Mansion is an individual attraction selection for about, you know, half a week leading up to Halloween. Why wouldn't it be? Because, it, and let's say this do a little bit of an overlay. Everyone's going to want to be there. Could be. Oh. Just put Jack and Sally in the queue. So really what we're saying then in the big picture is the reason for this is not a big money grab. It is really to better manage the crowds and give people more of what they want, right? That's a part of it. It's money grab. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I mean, look, we'll be it's, honest. It's monetizing I mean, the app, absolutely. But right, and and they need, look. They need to make the money. I mean, we can we can complain about the fact that Disney is a profitable corporation all we want, but but we know what happened to Disney when they played it too tight and they they didn't take advantage of their opportunities. If they don't keep their board happy, do we want to be? You know, back in the the 1970s, and have you know, literally money thrown at projects that are designed to fail because they're meant to be poison pills to prevent corporate rating. Because <laughs> that's what we right. got. Right. I mean, we've moved into the let's make money, and we're going to make a lot of money. Well, and, and, and what I'm saying is that, that we're, you know, let's make a lot of money. And in some ways, it's a defensive thing. They have to. If they don't, somebody else will step in and make them. Well, that's, that's true. Because, I mean, as we talked about earlier, Universal's taking their lunch on, on you know, Fast Pass, not Fast Pass Plus, but, you know, front of the line. I mean, right. they're taking their right. lunch with, on with it. Express Pass. Right. Express Pass is taking their lunch right now. Well, and, and you know, look, Universal got really lucky because they were in a position before NBC Universal came in. They were in a position where they were perilously close to where Disney was during the, the, you know, Eisner era and just before that when they were facing the green mail challenges because, and, and frankly, the only thing that saved them is probably that they didn't own enough stuff, right? Most of what Universal had was licensed, so there was only so much value in it. But, you know, they went from being owned by, you know, MCA to being owned by, um, to, what you, I guess technically it became Universal Music Group when they merged, and then Blackstone bought half of them, which was private equity. And if things had gone just a little bit differently with, with Harry Potter, if it hadn't been such a rousing success, you know, Blackstone would have forced them to start selling it out for parts. Disney would have gotten Marvel back. I guess that would have been a good thing. Right. <laughs> but that's because Blackstone would have, would have wanted to take their profit. And the only way to keep the institutional investors from insisting on selling off valuable assets is to continue to make more profit. Well, and we think about it, people who are going to uh, Universal Orlando, they're going for the Harry Potter experience because that's 
it's current, it's hot, it's I mean, even this many years after you know the the movies ended, it's still the hot ticket. Now they have turned around and said, okay, while everybody is enjoying Harry Potter, we're going to build all these other new roller coasters and things like that, and you know, just kind of jump off of the uh, off of the success of Harry Potter, and now we're going to get the roller coaster fanatics as well. Yeah, I mean, they've 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 since you know NBC Universal bought out Blackstone, right? The the private capital is now out of the picture, and they've got a corporate investor now who owns them, you know, pretty much wholly, and and you know they're in a position now to to invest in attractions. What I'm saying is that that's exactly the point, you know. Just like Universal is now able to invest in things like Velocicoaster and you know. Um, and and the price of butterbeer goes up to you know eight twenty five without anybody paying any attention to it. Um, you know that's what you have to do because it's what keeps the investors happy. It keeps the money flowing the so alive. that you can continue to develop the, the next the new thing. Right. I mean, right. we got Nintendo World coming. We have you know those are things that Comcast slash NBC wants to see because right. that's where the cash cow is. It's like. Like you just said, the butter beer it was seven seventy five, and then went to eight fifty or eight twenty five. No one even blinked yep. an eye. Now um, we, we've got some speculation on other attractions around Walt Disney World that'll be likely um, individual attraction selections. Initially, um, we're hearing uh, you know Remy's Ratatouille Adventure because it'll be brand new, um, and the other one. And I was a little surprised by this at first, but the other one people are speculating on is Test Track. Um, and I think that that has more to do with its downtime than anything else. That it, it, you know, it's got a longer average wait time than most of the others because of that. Right, and that, and that's uh-huh. what I've heard too. But it also doesn't have a large indoor queue. If you really think about it, right? It well, it it doesn't if. Especially if they're not going to do the tight switchbacks. Right, backs. exactly. I mean, if, if you're sticking with the social distancing and everything, which I know they're not right now, but they could have to go back to it. Right. It's, you don't want people standing outside all the way down to mission space, especially if the weather's not good. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> um, Hollywood Studios, um, most of the speculation has been um, Rise of the Resistance and Slinky Dog. I think it could also be Rise of the Resistance and Mickey and Minnie's. Um, you know, it, it really could go either way. Frankly, I could even see them going to all three. Um, just because, you know, if they did all three, then you hit every major demographic group, basically, with a desire right. for an individual attraction selection. Um, and it takes some of the pressure off of off of Rise as an individual attraction selection. Well, it also goes back to the old fast pass of, do you want tier one? And everything else, because they can't have Mickey and Minnie right now. I mean, the line looks ridiculous. It just zigzags all around yeah. where the hat used to be. But it moves ridiculously quickly. Of course, it's great. Because it, it eats people. Those cars are huge. Correct. But it still looks crazy when you look at it. You walk right. up and you just look and you go, where are these people going? And they're yeah. just zigzagging. But isn't in it, the sun. Isn't it interesting how Toy Story Mania has fallen out of favor when you think about it? I mean, that was that was the big hot ticket item just not that many years ago. I think the third theater helped and Agreed. 
there's more things to do now. Exactly. Well, that's the biggest thing is that there's just more to do in the park now. I mean, it was hugely popular, but part of the reason it was hugely popular is because there were five attractions running in Hollywood right. Studios for a while it was, there. It was basically known as a half-day park for a very good reason. Well, and two of the rides were dark rides. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you 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 didn't take your six year old over to Rock and Roller Coaster or Tower of Terror. So, what else are they going to do? Right, right, exactly. Like, I mean, Star Tours, you know, Indiana Jones, Under the Sea with Little Mermaid, and Toy Story Mania, and you're done. Well, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Um. And then over in Animal Kingdom, um, I was a little surprised by this, but I guess the more I think about it, the more sense it makes. Um, what I'm seeing is mostly references to Flight of Passage and Kilimanjaro Safaris. Um, yep. The safari surprises me a little bit. Um, it doesn't mean. But, you know, yeah. We it, were there in April, and it was a solid 40 minutes. Well, here, here's the reason I, I think— I think this is the biggest reason that it goes into the individual attraction selection slot. Um, I think that attraction more than almost any other, the time you select is a big part of what people are interested in, right? There's a lot of extra value to being able to pick a 9 a.m. return time instead of, you know, it's, it's the run of the clock. And, you know, if you don't grab one in the first 15 minutes after, you can start making those, you know, grabbing those. Then, you know, the earliest you're going to get is 1030 or 11. Well, if you get a one o'clock and it's 98 degrees, all the animals are dead asleep and they're doing nothing. This is what I'm saying. Yep. You're dead right. And hopefully they're not so dead that's, asleep that's in the middle of the road where the, where the, the jeeps can't get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen that happen. Now here, here's the thing about all this that has been, not as much discussed and and to me is really the most interesting part. And that is we now have the ability to buy individual attraction selections on the day of, and that's the only way you can buy them. You can't buy them in advance. You can buy Disney Genie Plus in advance, or you can buy it day of. And go time to make reservations for either an individual attraction selection or a Disney Genie Plus, this is key. you know, one at a time, or to get into a virtual queue when it first opens, because they haven't made an official announcement, but so far, right, if it sticks to the current way it's done, all of those things will happen simultaneously at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. atomic clock time, right? How? I mean, how? How? They're all supposed to happen at seven a.m. and and it really makes it difficult for a guest to say, "I'm going to try and get this individual attraction selection," but if I don't get it, then I want, you know, then then I really want uh, Genie Plus for that day. And you got to go through that right? whole or, purchase or, process. You know, th- this attraction becomes really important to me then because they've got to change around their plan because if they didn't get the individual attraction selection for Rise of the Resistance, you know, and, and that's just it. Or do you want to go for the individual attraction selection for Rise or are you going to go for the virtual queue for Rise? Tough call. 
really tough. It's really hard because it depends on part of the year too. Right. Right. I mean, it it depends on lots of variables. Right. I mean, it's the middle of August now, end of August. And we've seen people walking on rise this week. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're boarding groups. People are grabbing boarding groups at three and four in the afternoon. On the other hand, though, I mean, you know, if, if, if rise has a day where it's not loading, I mean, the one thing we don't know yet is what happens, right? What, how is Disney going to handle it? If you've paid for an individual attraction selection that you end up not being able to use because the attraction is down. Or how do you fix that? Right. Because I mean, if all they're doing is offering a refund, well, that, that doesn't really quite get you back what you lost. Right. Cause what, what you, what you had was this opportunity to ride the attraction and you know, if it go, if it's down, riding it tomorrow may not be an option. You may be headed home. Right. Or, 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 or you don't have a park hopper. Right. Right. Or, or you don't have a, yeah, or you don't have a park reservation for that day in that park. So, you know, well, that remains to be seen. We'll have to see how that plays out. But, you know, that that's going to be an interesting kind of thing to see people navigate and to see how Disney navigates. Because on top of everything else, you know, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, the, the IT system already struggles with the the massive influx of people trying to grab their boarding passes for Rise of the Resistance at 7 a.m. You know, you add in people trying to grab a 7 a.m. boarding pass for attractions at other parks and trying to get their individual attraction selections at all four parks and trying to get their first Genie Plus selection all at once. Yeah, you got different family members working on different aspects all, all at the same time. They better have a a whole brand new server farm ready to go when they kick this thing off. They better call Amazon and just order a whole new building. <laughs> Cause it's not working. Now the, the other thing to me that is that it's interesting. So we talked a little bit about the, the half hour early admission. The other thing is that's going to play into this is that the deluxe resort guests are already starting to get, you know, they've scheduled out some of these, um, evening hours that are open only to um, deluxe resort guests. And um, those, those are going to be really valuable because I mean, that's, that's extra magic hour access, but extra magic hour access for, you know, a fraction of the possible guests. Very limited subset. Um, And, and uh, you know, it looks to me, I mean, I think it's still two hours, um, which is. I thought it was three. Well, it was three hours original was the original extra magic hour at night. Then they cut the extra magic hour at night down to two. And I thought what I saw was two hours after park opening for this, but I could be wrong and it might be variable. Well, it could be how many people show up. Right. It could be. Um, But the the fact is it's another piece that's going to play into people's choices and about choosing how you allocate your costs, right? I mean, if you've got an extra two hours at night at Hollywood Studios, that individual traction selection at Slinky Dog is a lot less important to you. It's a lot less valuable because once the crowd clears out of the, you know, value and moderate and not on property guests, the chances of walking right onto it, it increase. Yeah, you walk on to, to Slinky Dog yeah. and, and, you know, at night is the best time to ride it anyway. That's what I hear. Well, I mean, you do the math. There's nine, maybe 10 deluxe properties. 
Something like that. Yeah. So it's three, I mean, four. They're pretty big. They are. They're they're very large. But I mean, realistically, what is there? Twenty five thousand people max. Thirty thousand people. I mean, they're not as large as the the all stars and the Coronados and the. Right. You know, so they have twenty five thousand. So if twenty five percent show up, I mean, you're right. you're you're running through that park. Yep. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know. I, I agree. I mean, like we're all deluxe stairs when we can. Well, and so this this is going to get me back around to. So one of the things people have been talking about when we've been talking about this and they've been comparing it to Universal's system and saying, well, you know, it's really a better value at Universal because you get Express Pass free if you stay in their premier hotels. Well, guess what? You get very much the same value when you stay at a Disney Deluxe and you get an extra two to three hours in a couple of different parks and you've got access where you're only competing with, you know, 15,000 other people and and universals. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But they're only during the day when everyone else is there. This is now exclusive to you. Right. Yes, that's true. I mean, you're, you're getting express pass access at, at universal, but it's express access against everybody else in the park. This is just freer run of, of the park. So, you know, I, I mean, I think there are people who are going to need to do some, some heavy duty Disney math and just make the decision, you know, do I stay at a moderate and buy Genie Plus and individual attraction selections for every day of my trip? Or am I better off staying at a deluxe and skipping Genie Plus and uh, individual attraction selections? Well, I mean, the, the whole key is, can you get a discount staying at Animal Kingdom? Can you get a discount staying at Old Key West or Saratoga Springs? And you make up the difference. Right. Right. And, and another thing I'll throw in for the math um, is that of the people that are staying in the deluxe resorts who will have younger kids that aren't going to stay out that late anyway. So well, that's a good point. Those and I, I've got plenty of kids. I've got plenty of folks who stay, you know, They've got little ones and they stay at, at contemporary, or, contemporary or Polynesian or Grand Floridian because they like the fast return back from Magic Kingdom. And so, you know, yeah, a lot of those folks are not going to make it to be at Magic Kingdom from, you know, 10 p.m. till midnight. Yeah, but it's a bonus for us. Yeah. Yeah, looks better to me all the time. All right, well, so the last thing I wanted to say in this value cost thing, so I, I went ahead and threw some numbers at this. Because I, I was curious. And so I went and I grabbed some dates and I said, okay, I want dates when when this thing is almost certainly going to be active. Because we don't have an official start date yet. They just say fall. But I priced um, a, a vacation for two adults, two kids, 8 and 12 years old. Looked at February 3rd through 9th, staying at Port Orleans Riverside. So moderate resort, mid-price. That, that vacation package with a four-day base ticket is $3,655 in round numbers. Now, the most popular add-on right now for those folks is probably Park Hopper. Now, if you add Park Hopper, it's $4,017. So it's about 10% more expensive than the base package 
to add Park Hopper. Now, what if instead of Park Hopper, you bought Disney Genie Plus and two individual attraction selections every day? Well, if you did just just Genie Plus for that same family of four, then your vacation cost goes up, but it only goes up about 6%. So it goes up just over half of what it would cost you to add Park Hopper. If you get that and you get two individual attraction selections per day per person, average cost of $12 per attraction. So, you know, not peak season, but, but somewhere in the middle of the pack. Your total cost is still going to be under $4,000. Um, your, your total cost goes up about 9%. It's $3,991. So under $4,000, still less than just adding Park Hopper. So I guess the reason I did this is it's just another option, just like Park Hopper is just another option. And it's a decision about which of these things add the most value to your particular vacation and what fits your budget. And for some folks, it's going to be, yes, please, all the above. And other folks are going to go through and say, wow, this, you know, I would have bought Park Hopper and I would have paid over $4,000, but I can skip all of that and just get two individual attraction selections each day, get the things that are really important to me and my costs are going to go up by, you know, 3%. Yeah, just well, that's you, a perfect you, example. Yeah, yeah just because you have park hoppers does not mean you're, it's not going to guarantee you uh, access to anything. Whereas Genie Plus, you know, you're going to have those lightning lane options. Um, individual attraction selections, you've got those too. So, you know, the, you're, you're in a much better position to guarantee yourself the vacation you want to take. The only thing Park Hopper guarantees you is you can get in the park later in the day. That's the only thing it guarantees you. You know, and it's like $90 a person. And it gives you the ability in some circumstances where you've got a short trip to combine, right? To be able to visit all four parks, even though you don't have four days available to you. Mm -hmm. And also, as one of my customers just came home said, I love to go to Epcot around 530 at night, every night. And they eat, they, they, obviously we have a festival all the time now. So it's a perfect thing for those people. Yes. You know? Yes. That makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I always like the, the biggest reason I always get park hopper is that it's an insurance policy. Right. Cause we don't right. want to be stuck going, Oh, we can't go there tonight. Well, I mean, for me, it's, it's, again, it's that story of, of, uh, of uh, Jedi training Academy mm-hmm. where, you know, we couldn't get into to do Training Academy. We had another trip where we went and we went to do Training Academy and it rained. And the, the stage is outdoors. And so if it's wet at all, they cancel the show. You know, it's my kid's favorite thing. If if we had done a trip when they were of that age and we they didn't do Training Academy, it was a ruined vacation for them. It was the most important thing. And with Park Hopper, it was our safety net. We could go off and do, you know, we, could, we didn't have to change all of the rest of our plans. We could just say, okay, this next day, we're going to alter things a little bit. We'll hit, you know, uh, uh, 
Hollywood Studios first thing, get signed up for the first show instead of doing the the you know second or third show. Sign you up for the first show, and then as soon as you're done with your show, we'll get out of there and go back. You know, be back on course with our other plans. It was a safety net. That's a great safety net too. I mean, it's a little different now because you can't go into the park till a certain time, but it'll change. Right. Right. Well, and, and I mean, the, the concept is still there, right? I mean, you know, if the most important attraction to you is down and you can't ride, you know, having Park Hopper gives you a second bite at the apple. So once again, we bring this full circle back to how do you want to vacation? How do you like to vacation? And all these things are just giving you more options to make sure that your vacation is what you want it to be. Excellent point. Um, the last thing I really wanted to say about um, this new system is I did want to make sure we we you know spent a couple of minutes to highlight a couple of significant changes to the disability access service that'll be part of this whole uh, Genie rollout. And these are not Genie Plus; these are core functions of Disney Genie. You don't have to pay for this, um, and. The, the two really great benefits are, number one, you can register for your disability access service before your trip, right? Right now, it's a headache. A lot of people struggle with it because you have to do it, you know, first thing when you first go into a park, it has to be done in person. This will allow you to do it up to 30 days prior to your scheduled arrival. And um, the only thing that's important is it's done via um, video chat, right? So this is... This is the, you know, this is this is the the pandemic rise of Zoom uh working its way into actual normal corporate operations at Disney. Um, but uh, you'll do a, a video chat with the uh cast member, the person for whom you're getting the DAS has to be present for that video call. So you can't do it while the kid's off at school, right? You gotta do it while they're there. Um, and they'll have a planning call with you. And at that time, you'll be able to pick what they're calling DAS advanced selections. Now, we don't know exactly what that list of attractions is going to be yet. I suspect it's going to pretty closely mirror the Disney Genie Plus list, but we don't know. Why well, um, that the wheel? You'll be right? able to select. You'll be able to do those two in advance, and they're completely separate. They're not. You don't have to. You know. You don't have to wait to. If you buy Genie Plus, you don't have to wait like you would with Genie Plus where you can only use one at a time. These don't count. Um, and then while you're traveling, you're still going to be able to leverage, uh, you know, having having the, the app, you know, the app-based uh, scheduling system because you'll be able to use My Disney Experience to get a DAS return time, which is not a lightning lane access. A DAS return time um, if the attraction has an expected wait of more than 15 minutes. And you can hold one of those at a time. I love that though. So, you know, it, it does make a big difference for folks who are navigating the parks with, uh, you know, <clears throat> with, with kids who need the assistance of a, a DAS program. Or adults, as the case may be, right? I was going to say, I mean, it's multiple. Like, there's many people out there that need the DAS and as long as it's not abused, it's a great system. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I appreciate that Disney is, is 
at least appears to be sort of monitoring this in a way to hopefully ensure that it's not being abused. I mean, obviously some people will figure out a way, but the whole thing about, you know, not just doing it over email, but doing it as a video conference and requiring the presence of the person you know, who's being accommodated, um, I think that makes a difference. And it, it, it's harder to lie to somebody's face. <laughs> uh, well, that's why it was so great. That's why it was so great when you had to go to like town hall. Right. You know, sh- show, I mean, I don't want to say show me the problem, but, you know, show me why you need this right. without us as- having to ask personal questions. Right. We don't have to see your medical records. Right. We can see right. what circumstances are. Um, so anyway, bottom line is, I think that, that ultimately, you know, this option will probably work better for some people than, than the FastPass Plus system did. I'm sure there are people who are going to feel like the FastPass Plus or, uh, feel like the other way, right? That, that the other works better for them. This system is just going to be the system, and and you know you're going to be in charge of what you get out of it. I mean, it, it's your choice how you use it. Um, and I think that a lot of it, the best we can do is you know prepare, understand the rules, and get ready for it, and wait and see, because we're, we haven't seen actual waits at actual attractions with these things in place yet. Um. And look, the bottom line is that attraction capacity is attraction capacity, right? It doesn't matter how you get in line. The same number of people per hour are going to experience the attraction. So all of this is just a matter of how you distribute the people going through the attractions, what the pace is that people go through them, and we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. We're also going to have to look at what the park capacity and the park reservation system really does because that park reservation system is really good now. I didn't like it the first two weeks. It was a little bit painful, but now it's like, I kind of dig it because now this is where I'm going to start my day. This is what I'm going to do. And like you, you get used to it and we weren't, we weren't ready for it. And Disney surprised us with it and it works which I wasn't surprised. I was very surprised that it worked, but it works. Well, and now don't, we're don't, don't be surprised that this is going to be the same way. I mean, just like anything else that you roll out, you, there's going to be some bugs in the works uh, at the very beginning, but you know, be patient, work with it, you know, d- um, maneuver the best you can with it. And it's going to improve. I hope it comes out within the next two weeks so that we have time before October 1st. For it to oh no see that's just it I don't think it's coming out before October first uh, my 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 best guess and maybe that's a good way to wrap up so let's do our, our little wrap up roundtable and have people pick their uh, the the date that they expect uh, you know Disney Genie to go live um, so I, and, and here's let's do it this way. Um, each of you, when it's your turn, give us the date that you think it's going to go live and a rating from 1 to 10 that is your confidence level in your selection. 
nice. All right. So, so Tim, mm-hmm. when is Disney Genie going live? I would give it an 80% chance that it will go live on Monday, November 15th, because you'll be past uh, the 50th anniversary um, um, hoopla and all the big, all the big grand stuff that's going to happen from the 1st of October through Halloween. That'll all be passed, but you'll be just on the cusp of Thanksgiving in that crowd. So that seems to me like a, and on a Monday when it's going to be a little bit lower crowd, uh, I think that would be the uh, optimum time to roll that out. All right. So Willie Tim says that it's uh, November 15th. Um, What do you think? I'm going to go with Tuesday, September 28th. It's going to be two days before the quarter ends. And I have a feeling it's going to take two months to get really going. I would say by Christmas, it'll be rolling well. Right. Well, I mean, okay. And and what's, what's your uh, confidence level there? September 28th, I would say it's a seven. Okay. So you're pretty confident too. I just don't think that they're going to be ready to go live with it that quickly. Um, at least partially because if they were, um, we would have, we would have more information, particularly on individual attraction, uh, selections. There's, there's still too much that hasn't been released yet. Um, and I think that they don't want this live for the anniversary. There's enough craziness going on with the anniversary that I don't think they want this on top of it. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm, you know, more inclined. I think Tim is, is on the right track. Um, I do think that, that, you know, waiting until after the crush of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the anniversary celebration, you know, the core of it um, is, you know, going to be part of the plan. Um, and you'll have boob boo bash out of the way say, and, and not starting the if festival I was, flights yet. If I was going to take a second bet, December 1 would be my second day, only because everything's over. It gives them basically two and a half to three weeks to make things right before the holidays. But they said fall. And fall ends on December 21st. So. Right. Well, so here's my thought. I'm still going to split the difference. I think they're going to end up going live with it November 1st. I think they do it after the first month of the the celebration stuff. Doing it November 1st, uh, you know, gives them start of the month, get you know, clean break time to time to roll with it after Halloween stuff is coming down. It gives them something that is press worthy for people to pay attention to before the Thanksgiving crowds get there. Gives them three full weeks to kind of work out those 7 a.m. Q <laughs> crush, uh, you know, issues before, um, you know, Thanksgiving gets there because remember that that October one, they're also. I mean, that's that's also when they're rolling out the early admission um, program. That's also when the late hours start happening. And I think that that you know they, they've got to kind of uh, 
phase some of this in, it's a little much to ask the cast members to manage all of these new changes all at once. Well, you've well, also the only reason. Yeah. Go ahead. Ratatouille. Yeah, Ratatouille. Yeah, Ratatouille. October 1st, too. Right. But that's why um, I went early, because we are right now at empty parks. These parks are completely empty. See, but but that's just it. Empty parks doesn't really help them with this program either. But it does because, because they could have fails. They could fail and fail and fail every morning. But but they wouldn't know if they were successful. Right. That's the problem. You've got to stress if, test if it. There's, if the crowd is, is too far below average, then they're not actually testing the system. But you have to start with right? something. I, I understand that. But if they start when there's no crowds – then nobody's going to recognize the value of paying for any of these services, right? Well, I was just thinking the genie anyway, right? starts, not everything else, but just oh, just the, the genie. Right, right. The genie comes out. He makes his appearance, which sound, I may have sounded like an idiot. <laughs> he makes his appearance, but he's going to make his appearance, and right, right. And all of a sudden, it works for you know the next two and a half weeks, and then they say, "All right, now on." The 17th, we're going to roll out blank. And on the 24th, we're going to roll out blank. See, there's yeah, I get, no I, one there. I get that. I get that. But I, I, I think that, that they just want to throw the switch on Genie, right? They want it to go live all at once because, you know, we understand that they're separate things, that these are separate pieces. But I think they would just assume people not realize that. Um, you know, that's the fallback. But but they want people to assume they have to pay for it. Um, and, you know, I said November 1st because I think that if they're going to do it, like part of me says Tim is on the right track and and I was leaning towards that sort of November 8th time frame but daylight savings time ends on December 7th oh. and I don't think they want to do it on the change November 7th change. November right November 7th yeah. right November that's what I said November 7th <laughs> Oh, now you're changing your mind. You want it to be November? 7th? No, you said December. Day? You said December. Yeah. Oh, I said December. Yeah. <laughs> you were thinking November. Oh, yeah, I, I was December. thinking November. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You can't have it mess up the whole system. You're right. Exactly. So, so I'm thinking November one, um, and that gives them three full weeks to work the kinks out before Thanksgiving crowds. It gives them Thanksgiving as a stress test for the system before the uh, Christmas holiday crowds. And a couple weeks post Thanksgiving to tweak and to, you know, address issues so that things are working properly for the, uh, the Christmas. You crowd. really got to have it figured out before the Christmas and New Year's crowds hit. Cause or, right, that'll, be, that'll be bonkers. I was going to say New York you know, times would kill you. And, and the only reason, frankly, that I say that that's when they're going to do it is, is because they announced that it was going to be rolled out for the fall. Because if you'll remember, in a similar situation, a similar circumstance with um, rolling out FastPass Plus and, and My Magic Plus, you know, we all kept thinking it was going to come out in September, October, so that they'd be able to do this kind of thing. And they waited, and they didn't roll it out. They they slow rolled it and they didn't actually cut over to FastPass Plus only until uh, Marathon Weekend until January. Um, but I don't think they're going to wait till January. No, because I, they've already dropped the word that they said fall. Yeah, and fall ends fall. December twenty first. I think that with My Magic Plus, they blinked on the you know they they they, they yeah. just got too nervous about the Christmas yeah. crowd and stalled. Um. But uh, 
I just don't think they can do that with this one. No. So, all right. Well, you know, we would love to hear your thoughts about this new system. Uh, has any of the things that we've said during this show made you think any differently about it? Um, what, what is your reaction? How do you think you'll use the new Disney Genie services? Where do you think you'll find the most value? We'd love to hear about it. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com, or you can reach out to us individually. Uh, you can get Willie at... Willie at wickedmousetravel.com. You could reach Tim at... Yes, you can tell me how right I am at tim.hicks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com. I don't play damn. And, uh, you know, if you need to tell me I'm full of it and uh, Disney Shill and all those other good things that I hear sometimes, <laughs> you can uh, reach me at, at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at mousemastertravel.com. Until next time. I've been your host, Aaron Rittmaster. Looking forward to the next time around with my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. We'll see you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night, guys. I got to keep on that was fun. I got to